It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's a Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app on the verge of Divisional Playoff Weekend, my favorite playoff weekend of the year. And we'll kind of look at the playoffs this year and take some lessons out for the Giants as we move forward and for the league, frankly, heading in to the Divisional Round. It's all brought to you by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York Football Giants. John Schmoke, Lance Bennett with you and Lance. This is my favorite football weekend. You have the best teams remaining uh, next week, obviously, you get one day, and it's probably the best single day. But I like this weekend better because you get four high-quality games, unlike last week, where there were a couple good games in there, but a lot of those games were fairly non-competitive by the second half. Well, you also get the top seed in each conference playing this weekend, and we didn't have an opportunity to see them last week. So I think that can make an oral world of difference. But I'm curious to see whether or not the layoff of the rust factor comes into play because we've seen that at times where the number one seed comes back after about two, two-plus weeks of not playing. And remember, a lot of these guys also did not play in Week 18. San Francisco and Baltimore rested a bulk of their starters. And they did. I'm a big believer. I think guys should play a little bit. You don't have to play them all four quarters, but I do think it's important because you're not going to be able to simulate gameplay over the weeks that follow leading up to the divisional round and teach their own. There's no right or wrong answer. It's all in the eye of the beholder, but I do think that it could catch up with you. And I'll give you an example. In 2019, the last time the Ravens were the number one overall seed, they came off the bye. Tennessee comes into town. That was the year that the Titans went on that crazy run. Dory Jackson actually was on that team. And Baltimore came out stale, fell back by two touchdowns. The rest is history. So it can happen. We've seen it. You don't have any room, you know, and this goes back to, not to get off topic, but the whole coaching carousel and whether or not you should get rid of a coach even though you win double-digit games. It's hard to get to a Super Bowl. You know why it's hard? Because the margin for error in this league, John, is non-existent. You could have an unbelievable regular season. You have one slip-up. It's meaningless. It doesn't matter whether you won 11 games. It doesn't matter whether you won 12. There's no other sport. That compares. In the NBA, the NHL, MLB, you got five to seven game series. You have room. You have margin for error. Doesn't exist in the NFL. That's why the best team in football doesn't always, obviously, at the end of the year, raise the Lombardi trophy. Correct. And that's why everyone loves the NFL because you don't know what's going to happen. It's not like the NBA where the better team will win that seven game series almost every time. It's just not the way it works in the National Football League, which is how you're attracted to it. And Lance, a few things I want to touch on today before we get to your calls. We will open up the lines. Excuse me, hiccups. I apologize. 201-939-4513. And Lance, when I take a look at these playoff teams, and especially the teams that advanced and won last week, I can't help but not see the high level of quarterback play that we saw here. And guys that are able to make things happen even when things aren't perfect, right? C.J. Stroud made a number of throws with guys in his face off-platform. Jordan Love did the same thing for the Packers. We know how well Jared Goff has played this year. And Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen obviously speak for themselves. And Baker's had a good season, too. And Baker made a number of passes down the field. And I think it just struck me watching those games that when you eventually get to the postseason and you're playing other really good teams, 
that are, you know, at this point, you're really getting personalized game plans every week where you really game plan for the opponent and you try to take away their strengths and, you know, amplify their weaknesses. It helps your team so much to have the quarterback that can elevate you and make plays that aren't designed. You know, you take a play where maybe the other team is playing the right coverage or they're making the right call to counter what your offensive coordinator's plan was. But you know what? Your quarterback's so good, they go out there and they make a play anyway. And, you know, Lamar Jackson didn't play last week, but he's certainly somebody that is capable of doing that. So that's the one thing that, that kind of struck me watching that first week of games is just, especially from some of the younger guys, just the high level of quarterback play. If you want to beat other really good teams, it's hard to do it if your quarterback is not playing at a very, very high level. Well, because once again, it goes back to my point. You have one bad game, it's over. That quarterback's not going to have an opportunity to regroup. And Lance, and... sometimes it's a half. Sure, like, like, well, of course. Like, yeah. Dak Prescott had a bad first half against the Packers. Game over. It was game over. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Well, game Joe over. Flacco, too, in the second half of the Browns-Texans game. He threw back-to-back pick sixes. Game over. You know, you're not going to overcome that deficit. And to me, the best example of the opposite side of the equation here is C.J. Stroud, not last week, but when he was playing Cleveland, there was a play where... Cleveland let two blitzers loose and Brevin Jordan, this is the Brevin Jordan 76-yard catch and run for a touchdown and Stroud threw in the direction of where the blitz came, which is what you're taught to do because clearly if the blitzers are coming from that side of the field, nobody's there to then make up for those guys missing. That's your high. And yep. he made a dump-off pass to Brevin Jordan that was nothing fancy about it, and then Jordan did the rest and he mm-hmm. weaved in and out of traffic and took it to the house. But little nuances like that the little subtleties of the game, if you can especially find a young quarterback that can read that so early in his career, it can make a world of difference. And I think we saw that. And Stroud obviously had a really nice performance again this past week where the deep ball was working for them, the intermediate routes. I mean, he's a dual or a triple threat if you want to describe him in terms of all facets and all layers of the passing tree because you have to account for the home run. But Stroud will play you for the base hit. He has no problem laying down the bunt, to use the baseball analogy, and letting his guys, once again, do some of the heavy lifting. I think that's what makes the Texans so dangerous. I do think this is by far his biggest task at hand. I think the Ravens are cut from a very different cloth than any of these previous two opponents. But you're going to need those extra effort type of plays from Stroud if the Texans want to continue this run. 100%. That's one thing I took out of this. The other thing I took out of this, watching the playoffs last week and then heading into this week, is the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, right? And I'll even go back to the regular season here. This is EPA per play. It's a good overall offensive metric that kind of encompasses a bunch of different things. Of the top seven teams in EPA per play this year, four of them, the Niners with Kyle Shanahan himself, yep, the Miami Dolphins with Mike McDaniels, the Los Angeles Rams with Sean McVay, and the Green Bay Packers and Matt LaFleur. Four of the seven top offenses in terms of EPA per play this year all came from the Kyle Shanahan tree. And all of those teams advanced this week except for the Rams and the Dolphins. So, you know, three of the NFC teams... Where were the Texans, just out of curiosity? The Texans, that's a good question. Uh, The Texans in EPA per play this year ranked 15th. Okay, because Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator, is from... Yes, and to me, I... Say it's the Mike Shanahan trade. No, that's fair. As opposed to Kyle. Fine. Not to say Kyle has an influence on them, but Mike is the one that You're really right. developed all 100%, that. 100% yeah. no argument. The Shan, let, let's just call it the Shanahan, Shanahan trade. That's How about that? that works. I, 100% that's fair. I approve. My no. seal of approval. So, and then you're, that means three of the eight teams this week 
right? You have the Packers, you have the Texans, and you have the 49ers are from that tree. Yep. And I just think that the they do such a good job of using, and I guess this is another lesson, right? All those teams use the run game. You know, yeah. they go under center. They use under center play action. It's not all gun all the time. And I think using that and working the run off the pass and vice versa and using play action to get the ball downfield, you know, that, that Shanahan offensive coaching tree, Lance, has proven to be, look, I'm not going to say it's like you can't go wrong, but this is, I mean, there haven't been many of those guys from that tree that have outright failed. You know, even... Zach Taylor, right, with the Bengals, with Joe Burrow. He's from that tree. You mentioned Bobby Sloak with the Texans. He's from that tree. And it's just worked from an offensive perspective for the most part. So something else that kind of popped in my head as I was watching the league last week and then looking forward to this week is that that Shanahan offensive tree, and to their credit, this is not the same offense as they ran three or four years ago. And I think that to me is key. You've seen these guys adjust. They've right? evolved, yeah. Like three years ago, we're talking about Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. We're talking all about outside zone runs, play action boots. You know who runs more straight ahead duo run game than anyone else in the league right now? The Niners and the Rams. So they changed a lot of what they do. And Sean McVay completely changed his offense when he went from Goff to Stafford. Different quarterback. He's adjusting the way he plays. So... That tree and the way they coach and the scheme and they marry it to the players, uh, I think the league still has not figured that out yet. And a lot of the reason is because those coordinators keep adjusting back to what defenses are showing them. Well, I think also all of those offenses keep you on your toes because they're very difficult to get a good read on because of the different style of rushing attack. Also, most of the running backs in those offenses can serve as weapons in the passing attack, which I think also makes it a bit more challenging. And they... Also go after, and to me, this is where it's the offense meets the personnel groupings. And this yeah. is where the general managers deserve credit, too. They're giving these coordinators, John, and head coaches, playmakers, athletes, guys that are so shifty, could get out in open space. You look at what the Niners have, but you know, even the Rams, Kyron Williams helped change the complete trajectory of the Rams season because when he came back from injury and the Giants went up against them during that period of time, you saw what Kyron Williams could do. It gives Matthew Stafford a new facet to work off of. It strengthens the offensive line because when you're running the ball, you're asking your offensive lineman to push forward mm -hmm. as opposed to constantly play backwards and pass protection. I mean, even the Texans picking up Devin Singletary, who was oh, a yeah. bit of an afterthought in Buffalo, sure. has served as a nice compliment to C.J. Stroud in that Houston offense. So you can really go down the list. Kansas City, Isaiah Pacheco and his fierce running. And I know this is not the Shanahan tree, but all of these teams, I'll take your point a step further, they have some semblance of a run game. The Lions, you love what they're doing with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. That's not a coincidence in what Aaron Jones is doing for the Packers, especially when A.J. Dillon is sidelined right now. And how about the way the Bills have developed a run game the second half of the year? Yeah. It's one of the reasons Without they a doubt, James Cook around, 100%. And then I think you make a good point. The weapons for these teams are also very different. Like, there is no Nico Collins, a guy that's built that way on the 49ers, right? There's no Debo Samuel on the Texans. Kyron Williams and Christian McCaffrey are very different running backs from a physical skill set perspective. So, again, these coaches are able to take different types of talent and I think turn them around, use them in a certain way to allow your team to be successful. And the other thing I'll talk about, too, and I talked about the, you know, 
you need a really good quarterback playing a high-level quarterback play. I think what you're seeing the NFL get to now, and it went through a period where this was not foolproof, and it's not foolproof now because you're still going to have misses, obviously. But it's been the quote-unquote trait quarterbacks that I think have paid dividends moving forward here, right? Like Justin Herbert, you build him in a lab for to quarterback, right? Jared Allen, you built him in a lab to quarterback. No one questions Patrick Mahomes' is you know. You mean size. Josh Allen you talk about? What did I say? Oh, you said Jared Allen. No, Josh Allen, sorry. Yeah, okay. Josh Allen, yes. <laughs> is it true sorry. you're talking to? And yeah. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, is, is built to play quarterback. Jordan Love, like physically, built to play quarterback. Yep. C.J. Stroud, physically, built to play quarterback. Lamar Jackson, even to an extent, a little bit smaller. But again, the physical tools are there, right? When they drafted Mar- Lamar Jackson, no one was worried about him being limited physically from playing the position. Like, he can do everything he needs yep. to do from a quarterback position, right? And I think it allows you to do some more things, and it'll, it makes it easier for those quarterbacks to overcome defenses and things defenses throw at you when you have those physical advantages at the position. And, you know, that's, I think, what made the Giants excited about Daniel Jones, right? Because between the athleticism, the size, and the arm strength— you know, I think he falls, you know, no one's in the Josh Allen category, obviously. He's he's a man amongst boys in terms of everybody. He's 6'4", 240, yeah. runs like a running back. But, you know, he, you know, you need those physical tools. And, yes, I loved Bryce Young last year. I still think he's going to be successful. But he has to be successful like a Drew Brees was successful, right? Where you got to pick people apart. He's not the most physically gifted guy. And I'm going to put two in the same conversation, right? Tua is a really accurate thrower. He's really smart, good anticipation, not a great mover, Lance. He's not overly big. Um, you know, a guy like Dak Prescott since the ankle injury, you know, he doesn't move as well as he used to. And just in terms of him, he was a fourth-round pick. And, Lance, look where these quarterbacks were taken in, in, in that are playing this round. All right, I'm going to go through it for you. Lamar Jackson, first round. C.J. Stroud what was the third overall. Yeah, well, I mean, high first round right. picks. So. Jordan Love, first round. Baker Late first Mayfield, round, yep. first overall. Jared Goff, was he was he or Wentz first overall? Goff was first overall. Goff right? was one. Goff yep. first overall. Patrick Mahomes first round. Josh Allen top ten. I know people. Oh, jo- you know, Brock Purdy. Da, da, da. One of eight. All right. Yeah. One of eight of these guys were not first round players at the quarterback position. So, do exceptions exist? Sure. Is it extremely hard to find them, and you can't count on it? Absolutely. Even go back to the quarterbacks in the last round, the guys that got knocked out. Matthew Stafford, first overall pick, right? Like, Joe Flacco was a first-round pick when he got drafted. Yep. Deshaun Watson, who was there before he got hurt, he was a first-round pick. Uh, I'm, I'm just going through these other teams in my head right now, the ones that got knocked out. But Well, Tua, Tua was, was a first-round first round pick. pick. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you look at all these I mean, teams. Dak is the exception. Mason Rudolph for the Steelers would be an exception. Yeah. But but look, they, yeah. they're starting quarterback. I mean, Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick, so there's a few. But the majority, the main takeaway is, yes, the bulk of right. them are from fairly early in the first and round. And a lot of them top 10, top 15, right? Yeah. So, but, I mean, then again, they yeah. still need talent and the right ingredients around them Absolutely. regardless of where the right. quarterback is taken. But my point is that if you really want to get a quarterback with elite traits that could take you somewhere, odds are you're going to have to pick them high in the draft. It's going to be hard to find them later. Can you find a guy that can help you win games and be a good NFL quarterback and get you to the playoffs? Absolutely. Is it going to be hard for that guy to take you all the way to the Super Bowl? Probably. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. That's been well documented. But, you know, at the same time this year, what's also unusual is you've had a Chiefs offense that has taken a step back and a defense that I think has answered the call. So if the Chiefs, to me, get to the Super Bowl this year, something tells me, 
We're going to be talking a lot about Steve Spagnuolo's unit. Oh, he should. A big 100%. part of that equation. Not to take anything away from Mahomes, but Mahomes, I guess, is not doing the things or the offense is not doing the things that we're so used to seeing. The Bills, well, John. all quarterbacks need help. Yeah. All quarterbacks need Well, help. I mean, even Buffalo has had a mm-hmm. tale of two halves of a season. The first half of the season, they were a shell of themselves. Now the running game has come to life. They've played a little bit better. They're getting healthier at various positions. So I think those two examples, coincidentally, those teams are playing one another this week. But, you know, you put them under the microscope, the elite quarterback doing crazy things doesn't necessarily, I guess, my point, tell the whole story of how they actually got to the divisional round this year. But season. I will say this. If Patrick Mahomes wasn't absolutely elite, could you imagine what that Kansas City offense would Oh, it'd like? be even more of a struggle. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because what he's been able to do at least has kept their head above water. Correct. Same thing with Josh Allen. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, C.J. Stroud has elevated that entire Texans team offensively. You know, yep. lost Tank Dell. You know, before this year, people were talking about the Texans having a top-10 pick again. Like, before C.J. Stroud went in there and started playing the way he's playing. So, again, just some things that I've picked up on keeping an eye on here. All right, let's open up the phones. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. It's all brought to you by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Don't forget to subscribe to our other off-season podcast. It starts with the Giants Huddle Podcast. That's brought to you by Citizens. We do interviews with players, coaches, front office personnel, and the best analysts around the league. A lot of good stuff coming your way. We have our... Uh, walkout interviews with a bunch of players on offense that are go that's either up right now or going up today. It should be up shortly if it's not up already. So go check that out in the John Siddle podcast. We also have draft season. Our draft podcast, Tony Pauline and I, we've been going all season long, folks. We're going to keep going. Um, and that basically takes a look at everything draft, not just from a Giants perspective. We break down prospects. We just had our first mock draft this past week, which I'll rant about in a second after we take our first call. Um, just a lot of good fun. We're gonna both going to be out at Shrine and Senior Bowl next week. Uh, we'll have a podcast next week with Eric Galco, who runs that, and uh, we'll rock and roll from there. All right, let's take go to the phones, 201-939-4513. We'll get more into the games as we go along as well right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Let's go to Phil in North Carolina. He will lead us off today. Hi, Phil. Hey, guys. Hey, great show today and great show during the week, and even all the different partners that have been in on uh, BBK have done an excellent job. Thank even you. Paul. <laughs> even Paul's done a good job. Uh, so, uh, and so you know, I, the emphasis on trying to get to the playoffs, and, and like you said, the common denominator among the teams. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's superior play by the quarterback, superior play by others. But also, you know, even when there's not a superior play, there's a level of functioning which is something we haven't experienced with our offensive line. And until we resolve that offensive line issue, you know, we're only going to be, a, we're going to be a broken team. No, and, absolutely. Uh, and Phil, and I think that's part of the calculation, right? That, that the team made last year when they re-signed Daniel Jones, they thought, look, Daniel Jones got this team to a top 11, top 10 EPA per play last year. I'm talking the 2022 season now, right? And he did elevate, other people around him, partly because of his ability to run the football, and they thought if they get the offensive line a little better, improve the wide receivers a bit, you could then get him into the category of like the Dak Prescotts and guys like that, where he could be at that level of quarterback play because of the variety of injuries and things like that that just didn't work out this year. 
Well, and I also think the offensive line was functional in the second half of the season, much more so than in the first half of the season. Agreed. I think if you compare the two, the other thing, Phil— they got healthy. It helps. Yeah, absolutely. So they were able to rely on some of their options. But you can't continue to come back every single season. We have this conversation every single year where you're waiting. This is going to be the year where all five guys stay healthy for all 17 games. No season operates like that. Every team deals with injuries on the offensive line. Every team deals with breakdowns. And that's why it's up to the quarterback to help stabilize that or the scheme to help navigate that. So we can't have the conversation again this year. All right, they're going to bring back the five offensive linemen. Everybody's going to be healthy because you know that's not realistic. So this idea that next year is going to be the year, you can't keep repeating that or taking that to the wishing well. I mean, you can't hope to get a better play from the offensive line. No, though. you can't. Yes. But, but the point is, I'm telling you right now, all five guys are not oh, playing no. all 17 of games. Not. Of that's not, not happening. Not. And they may lose somebody. That's just, once again, that's the nature of the beast. Remember, the Cleveland Browns lost both of their starting tackles and won 11 games and made the playoffs. If Cleveland can do that and went four quarterbacks deep, does everybody do that every year? No. But Kevin Kevin Stefanski and his staff found a way. They also had historically good defense, too, which was helpful. They did, but, I mean, they had the the historically good defense was more yardage than scoring. I mean, there were games where the Browns gave up points, and they had to find a way to overcome that. So, you know, I still think that team deserves a lot of credit for what they were able to overcome because that's not easy. And they lost Nick Chubb, too, and they had Amari Cooper out of the lineup a little bit. So, I mean, that was unheard of what we saw in NFL history. No, the Browns did a great job with that. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah, excellent points. Uh, how do we get there, though? How do we, you know, I totally agree with Lance that, yeah, we can't, we have to factor in injuries, whatever. Maybe not to the extent what happened last year or this current year. You keep but, adding um, talent. You keep adding talent. That's you all keep you adding do. talent, yeah. And, and, yeah. and, 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 they already, and they already changed the offensive line coach this year. So, I mean, you can't really do much more than that. So, they're trying. Yeah, I hope it, I hope it works. Boy, I really do. So, anyway, thanks, guys. Yep. And uh, I'm going to go one little rant, then I'm going to ask you a question. So we did our first mock draft on draft season. And I, before you even started it, I made clear, I said, guys, look, mock drafts in January are ridiculous. All right? Because you don't know what team needs are going to be. You don't have that free agency yet. Assigning players to teams is pointless. Don't get upset about who goes where. The point is to get a feel for where players might go in terms of range in the draft, right? How heavy is it offense? How heavy it is defense, position-wise, and just in terms of where the best players are and how, where they might fall in their draft. That's the point. So the Giants got the pick at number six. I was assigned the Giants in this particular mock going back and forth. So I went through the options, and I said, I started the Giants by saying, well, I haven't even watched Jaden Daniels yet. I have since then, by the way. And it was either Jaden Daniels, who Tony had did not pick him to go to the Patriots, which was a surprise to me. So I, first of all, I wasn't even expecting Jaden Daniels to be there because I thought he was going to pick him for the Patriots. So he's there. Malik Neighbors is there. And Roman Dunsier is there. And I go through all the reasons. I'm like, oh, you know what? Da, 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 da. And I decided to give the Giants a Dunsier. I thought that they need a taller wide receiver to match with Wondell Robinson and Jalen Hines, who's more of a speed guy. I thought he was a better fit. I think Neighbors is actually a better player. But whatever. Not important. So I start getting these tweets. People are really upset. I, I didn't pick the quarterback. And one, I had not watched Dana Daniels yet. I was not going to draft Jed Daniels for the Giants without watching him. Since I have, he's worthy of the sixth pick. He's a very good player. But, guys, do not go overboard on what you see from mock drafts in January. I was talking to somebody that his employee, employer, makes him put out mock drafts in January. He hates them. <laughs> Torture was, was the word I got for this. Because needs are going to change. All-star games, combine, new data, 
pro days, injuries, a million things are going to change. Everything you're doing now is just getting to know the players, and then you figure out what teams are going to do later. And just keep that in mind. Don't lose your mind over every mock. The Giants coaches, including their head coach, have not even watched an iota of college tape yet. You don't think they're going to have input on terms of who a team drafts? And that's the same for all the NFL coaches around the league. Not one NFL coach has watched college tape yet. So nobody has any idea, even within their own buildings, what they're going to do in the draft today. Except for maybe a team like the Bears because they're first overall. And they've probably thought about that for a little bit. But, just a tad. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, just don't take these things too seriously this early in the process. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I would echo your sentiments. I don't think I've even glanced at a mock draft or two. No. Mainly because I don't put much stock or substance in it. I think it's more important to digest free agency first. Yes. Let's see how that pans out. Let's see what teams address. Remember, the other thing, and I think I was talking about this with Paul the other day, there's going to be probably a trade also that's going to shake up the order, too. Yeah, that's another thing that right yeah. now is completely unpredictable. Case in point, Arizona and the Chargers, I could see as candidates to move out of those spots, especially if there's a team that wants a quarterback. If one of those teams wants to move back and grab some extra draft capital, Here's the problem. they could very well do that. The problem is that if there's only three top 10 quarterbacks, by the time Arizona gets on the board at four, they might all be gone. <laughs> no, they could. Yeah, well, that was the other thing that we discussed. And that would have to be about. That would have to be a draft day trade then. No one would make that no, trade of course. ahead. Sure, absolutely, yeah. But the first three teams in the draft could easily take quarterbacks. So yeah. you have to then love four or five quarterbacks, which to me is highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely that if you went on a draft board and you went through all 32 teams that they all have the top five quarterbacks bunched together. There's separation points between all of these guys. That's more of a reason why if you're the Giants, you don't take a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback. You take a quarterback because the guy that would perhaps be available for you at six is there. You don't settle. The no, worst thing you could no, do no, is no, settle no, no. for a quarterback that high in the draft because remember— Don't pick the guy you have 25th on your board just yeah. because he's a quarterback. Well, no. and here's the reason why that becomes dangerous because even if you draft a quarterback this year, let's assume Daniel Jones is healthy, ready to go week one. And he's going to start. That quarterback's not playing that you drafted. Correct. So you're not getting an immediate impact, John, out of that player. That's more of a reason if you screw that pick up, you are not only missing out on somebody down the road helping your team, you're not getting anything in the immediacy yeah. of yeah, the draft. Yeah, 100%. So that's a double-edged sword right there. You don't want to put yourself in that position. That's why you never settle for a quarterback, especially after maybe two to three guys are already off the board at that point. The only way you pick that guy at six is if you think he is like one of the guys we talked about in the open, right? Yeah. The guys that can take your team to an extent, put them on your shoulders, and elevate everyone around you. That's the guy you pick at six. You do not pick a guy that, oh, well, I hope if we do the right things around him that we can figure out a way to, to you know, make the playoffs. That's not the guy you pick. You want to pick that guy in the second round? All right. Oh, sure. You could take a flyer cool. on that. Yeah. That's fine. Then maybe he develops into something more than that. Great. Fine. No problem. I'll argue the utility of that based on, you know, is that what you want? Is that the, the, the ceiling you want to set for yourself? But again, it's an inexact process. Guys can get be better than what you think they are when you pick them. But, you know, just something that in terms of the draft that I want to make sure people are clear on in terms of, you know, strategy, what you're thinking about. Guys, we have some open lines. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Lance, which game this week? And I'm going to take Chiefs Bills off the table because I wouldn't consider that an upset no matter which team wins that game. 
Yeah. Of the other three games. It's a two three matchup anyway, yeah. Which team do you think has the best chance of walking away with a win from those three road teams? The Texans, the Packers, and the Bucks? I'd probably go Tampa Bay of all three. I do not think there is any team that matches Baltimore. Now, could the Ravens get upset? Sure. I mean, look at what happened to the Cowboys last week. Anything can happen in the NFL. But if Baltimore brings its B-plus game on Sunday, or Saturday, excuse me, the Ravens should win. I mean, I think the Ravens are the well-oiled machine right now in football. San Francisco, right behind Baltimore. Green Bay played very well. But I think the Niners' defense is a bit different than Dallas, and we have not seen San Francisco's defense have the level of performance that we saw to Dan Quinn's unit. So can Green Bay duplicate that in back-to-back weeks? Not necessarily sold on that. And I'm not sure so, the Green Bay defense can slow down the Niners' well, offense, and, and to be that, honest with you. And that, to me, was also one of the biggest surprises of the Cowboys-Packers that game. That was the surprise yeah, for me. Joe Barry was actually being run out of town yes, by Packers correct. fans. They were looking forward to Matt LaFleur making a change, and now they know it's probably going to be that much more difficult under the circumstances. Then again, they still could make a change. Not that I'm campaigning for anybody to lose their job. So Baltimore and San Francisco, I just, I don't see that happening. That's why all eyes come back to Tampa Bay, Detroit. The Bucks, they've got a lot of weapons around Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield protects the ball. That Lions defense is to be had, okay? The Lions defense has been a liability this season. It's been a liability that nobody wants to talk about because their offense has been so good. The Rams, Matthew Stafford had two explosive big yardage touchdowns in that game last week. They were in position to easily walk away with a W in Detroit, and it came down to they ran out of time. The Lions were able to kneel down. And it was red zone. It was the, yeah. the Rams' failures in the red Correct. zone. They, they, they played better than the no, Lions in that they game, moved but the, the ball. Lions were better in the red zone than the Rams, and that was the difference. Yeah, so if the Bucks move the ball, which I think they're capable of doing, and I think Baker has a number of weapons he can rely on, the offensive line is held up, and that defense, you know, even if that defense gets involved in a bit of an offensive clinic— if the Bucks can match wits with the Lions, Tampa Bay could go to Detroit. It's indoors. The weather is not an issue for a team that plays half its games in warm weather. I'll take the Bucks as the best chance for an upset. You need to game plan for Hutchinson. If you can figure out a way to block him, they don't have another guy that I'm really worried about winning one-on-one yeah. against you. So if you can game plan against Hutchinson, run play action in his direction, double-team him, chip him, cut him, and then, you know what, if another Lions defensive lineman ends up Breaking the game for you, you, you tip your cap and say, okay, we messed up, fine. But I'm with you. I think that Lions defense is certainly vulnerable. All right, 201-939-4513. Let's go to uh, Bob in New Jersey, Pearson, line two. Let's go to him first. What's up, Bob? Uh, yeah, I just want to talk about quarterbacks for a second. Sure. Uh, people are, people are uh, saying uh, Jones is not the guy. Um, I'm 81 years old. First giant game was in 1950. In 1953, Charlie Connolly was booed out of the polo grounds. In uh, 1983, Phil Simms was a bum. Uh, the only difference between them is the neck injuries for Jones, which is really a an issue. Well, and, and well, That's Bob, right. the yeah, neck, right. the neck, and the knee. Yeah, I the mean, torn ACL is serious too. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Neither the other guys good. had. Yeah, the other guys had knee problems too, though. I got you. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I hear you. In this, okay. Yeah. Uh, so they got to build a team. Charlie Connolly all of a sudden became great when the Giants built a team around him. The same thing with Phil when Barcells put his team together. 
I think it's. I think I will say this, Bob. I think it's much harder to win like the '86 Giants did in the '80s to win with that type of style today. I think it's a lot harder. It was also you're you're also laying out pre-salary cap error too. Let's not forget about that. And the free agency issue was big because they kept they changed players all the time. However, you can still build a team. Of course you can. Of course, (laughs) of course, of course. Look, I mean, Frisco has the uh, seventh round quarterback who turns out to be good, but. How good would he be playing behind the Giants line? Yeah, but Bob, how about this? One of the reasons they can build such a good team around him is because Brock Purdy's not making any money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know what I but, mean? Uh, the thing is, but my my point is that uh, how about giving Jones a a break here? Uh, the team he ha- he's working with is not not a team on a par with. Any of the big teams. Oh, of course. Okay. And, oh. And, and, Bob, we said that the first five or six weeks before Jones suffered his first, you know, his first injury of the year, he went out. It's not your guy. It's not no, your I, guy. No, I know. I know. Yeah. He, he did not have a chance to succeed. Against the Cowboys and against the Niners in those two games, he was exactly. under siege immediately. He did not have a chance in either of those That's two right. games. You see, Bob, I think the, the, the biggest challenge is – Yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. In those two games – he had one series, the first series in the first game, when the when the offensive line actually played well. Well, yeah, and, and, and I think that first series, the plays are scripted. You can move the remember, and a lot of that was him scrambling. That first series against Dallas, people forget. Yeah. Almost half the yards were Jones scrambles because he yeah. got pressured and he had to run away. Yeah. He just happened to gain yards, and you can't sustain an offense with you know doing it that way. Lance, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, what I was going to mention, Bob, is I, I understand you preaching for patience. I just think if you look at the NFL landscape overall, it, this is not necessarily anything or a shot against Daniel Jones. Teams, they get to a point where they can only wait so long because of the salary cap issues and so forth. So when you have a quarterback that can't stay healthy or you have issues with the personnel around the quarterback, what happens if you look at trends is teams decide to go in a different direction not because the player doesn't have potential they just they can't continue to play the waiting game and that's I think the biggest challenge right now for Daniel Jones and it's not his own doing it's the fact that he's got to stay on the field that's number one you can't evaluate a quarterback if they don't stay on the field he's only had one fully healthy season okay the Giants they can't use their imagination to evaluate the signal caller let let me ask you something Bob Bob, hold on one second hang with us and Bob and, and, and I'll ask you this question too but I'll ask Lance first did you learn anything, aside from health, did you learn anything about Daniel Jones this year as a quarterback that you didn't already know heading into the year? No, nothing at all. Neither did I. I how, pretty how, much, how about it, you? It's status no. quo for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And absolutely. that's a problem. But yeah. that's coming off of him be, being, leading them to the super, uh, to the nothing. playoffs and winning the playoff yeah. game. Sure. That's the last thing I know about him. Yeah. No, look, Bob, I agree. Sure. But I mean, then again, Bob, in fairness, you know, we I know we were talking about earlier in the show about quarterbacks elevating play. But, you know, that was also a product of a variety of other factors, which we <laughs> learned as a result of what we saw this year, whether it be the combination of the schedule, Saquon Barkley, a defense that came together. Correct. Right. There were a lot of elements that came into but play. But we have not that. seen Daniel Jones operate here with above-average offensive line talent, and above-average weapons. We haven't seen it yet. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. We haven't seen it yet. Well, but and it, I, 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 I want to see that, but the problem is— But it is, goes back to how much longer can you wait to oh, see no, 100%. it. 100%. That's, that's what and, I'm getting and, 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 Bob, this is the other side of the argument. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate to myself. I'm just putting all the options out there. When you have the—again, op- I don't know who's going to be there when the Giants pick at six— 
The first three players drafted might be quarterbacks, and then the point I'm about mm-hmm. to make doesn't mean anything. It, it's, it's, it's useless. But very rarely, unfortunately, the Giants have done this much more frequently than you would have liked, do you get to pick really high in the draft, right? There are many times right. when yeah. you don't have to spend draft capital, a ridiculous amount of draft capital, mind you, to move up to pick a quarterback, and you can just pick and sit and pick a guy that you think can be a level-setting, elevating franchise quarterback for you. And it's very difficult when you have a quarterback. But again, we talk about Daniel. We believe in him. We think he's good. When you have a quarterback that's had a lot of injury issues, right, and kind of torn up to torn ACL, and this is, I think, the point those fans are making, can you pass on that player if he's sitting you, sitting there staring you right in the face at number six? That's where the debate and the tough conversation has to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. But you're not talking about the first three quarterbacks. The first three quarterbacks might go in the first three. Sure. Picks. Yeah, they yeah. might. Absolutely. Yeah. That's possible. Sure. So you're, you're talking about guys who are also in. Well, then then you do not select a quarterback. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's settling. That's, that's exactly what right. we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I mean, I would think yep. under those circumstances, Thank you, Bob. if the Giants had appreciated the call, as it stands right now, and once again, this is very early, I would think if the Giants have a love fest with a quarterback, that may require a conversation about moving up to get the quarterback. Yeah. I think as I it know. stands right now, John. Now, that no, could change. I don't, I don't disagree But with if you. you ask me right now, if the Giants want a quarterback and they want their guy I think that would require giving up some draft capital. That's just my opinion. Once again, early in the process before we see a lot of movement. And here's the problem, Lance. You might have all the capital in the world. These teams are so quarterback needy. I'll put the Bears aside because they actually do have somebody in-house that I think has shown that. You know, I would put him into a Daniel Jones level of quarterback in the NFL, right? I think, yeah. you know, same tier. You can argue where they rank in that tier or whatever. We can have that conversation. If you like Fields better, I get that. That's fine. But I don't think you could offer the Washington Commanders anything on this planet to move out of the second pick in the draft. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. And plus, you're going to have a new GM and a new head coach. They're not tied to the existing and quarterback. And a new owner. Yeah. Sure. So I don't think you could offer them the least to MetLife Stadium, your entire <laughs> offense, pick players. They're not moving. That's how valuable a franchise quarterback is. They're not moving. I think the Patriots are in the same boat, If too. I'm the Patriots, I'm thinking the same. And apparently, and I didn't yeah. see the press conference, but somebody told me this morning, if I'm wrong, somebody call up and correct me. Well, I watched the whole press. Are you talking about with Mayo? Yeah, where Mayo yeah. basically said, oh, what are you in the draft? We're going to pick a player a player at a position that's really important to winning. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he basically was like, yeah, no crap. We're picking a quarterback. Well, he knows he has to fix the offense. Yeah, that has course. to be the first test. Plus, Bill O'Brien, I don't know if you saw, now took the Ohio State yep. job. So he's going to have a new play caller. Let's put it that so, way. So, bottom line, those two teams ain't moving. So your only hope is the Bears, all right? Then the conversation starts, starts, starts with what the Bears got for the first pick in the draft last year, which was two first-round picks, a second-round pick. In fact, I think it might have been two second-round picks. I think they got Carolina's second-round pick last year, right? So two ones, two twos, and DJ Moore, okay? Two ones, two twos, and DJ Moore. Is that correct, Lance? Let's see. I'm looking up right now. Bears sent the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft to Carolina in exchange for DJ Moore selections in the first and second rounds in 2023. 2024 first rounder. So there's two first. So it's two ones. Yeah, two ones, two twos, and DJ Moore. And DJ Moore. The 25 second. Yep. And by the way, first round pick this year is more valuable. 
because Caleb Williams or Drake May. Well, it's or more Jada substance Daniels, at that position. Yeah. Pick your pick your choice. Yeah. They're all going to be graded higher than any quarterback in last year's draft. Yep. So, and I know the Bears or the Panthers moved all the way up from nine. The Giants are at six. Six and nine is not a huge difference in terms. No, of No, it's what still going to be costly. It's in yeah. the window. Yeah. So. Do you think the Giants, and this goes to Bob's first point in this call, right? From a roster-building standpoint, can give up two ones, two twos, a Pro Bowl-level player, and then something else? If you bring in that quarterback, are you going to be able to build enough around him for him to succeed? Would you like to be the Carolina Panthers right now? Well, that's what I was going to say. Bryce Young is the perfect example, yes. right? They got the quarterback, and then they put him in a situation where he's running for his life. The offensive line's a mess, and now they have to pick up all the pieces this season. And, oh, by the way, a new coach and a new general manager are now coming in to start the process all over again. Not a great situation to be in. No. In fact, I, I think it's fair to say, Lance, that might be the worst situation in football right now. Oh, well, based on how long or how short coaches have lasted. You know, I always joke and I say, who would want the job? Somebody wants the job because there's only 32 of them. Correct. Okay? So somebody's going to take the job. But I, I was talking with um, somebody who's covered the Panthers on my Sirius XM show when they made the change from Frank oh, Reich. Person? No, not um, Scott Fowler. Okay. He's been covering the Panthers mm-hmm. since 95 when they came in as a franchise. And I said... Whoever is hired as the next coach, just tell them to maybe lease the house. Yeah, rent. As opposed to... Rent, uh, rent don't know, buy. Yeah, do, do, not, uh, <laughs> do not make a heavy investment from a real estate perspective because the track record yeah. doesn't bode well. And, and I know we're making light of the situation, but the facts are the facts. And even taking the ownership situation and the quick trigger finger out of the equation, I mean, you don't have resources to make the roster better. Yeah, well, because you gave them all the, up. Sure. And by the way, yeah. I think they're bottom 10 in cap space. They don't even have a ton of cap space. It's That's the situation you don't want to get into. And again, if there's a guy that you think is going to be your uh, C.J. Stroud, whatever, and can you give up too much for a guy that's going to play the way Stroud has as a rookie? You probably can't. But boy, it gets hard real, real, real fast. Bob is in Bloomfield. Let's go to him next. Bob, what's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, Double Bob. What's up, Bob? So... I was listening in on the last call, and I'll, I'll ask my question real quick. Yes, sir. First, I just want to comment that in, in defense of Jones, it's very difficult to play quarterback behind an offensive line that's having difficulties like the Giants have. Oh, oh yeah, we said that. Yeah, we agree with you, Bob. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I agree with you guys, and that's a real unfair assessment because they, they just – they were. They just couldn't block at all. He, he would take even Eli at the end of Eli's career. I would have loved to see Daniel in front of the. And again, not that the offensive line the second half of the season was some dominant All Pro unit, but at least it was it was functional. Yeah, I would have loved yeah. to see Jones against with that line in front of him against what was a much easier schedule as well in the second half of the season compared to what he had to deal with in the first half. Yeah, and you. And my point, you could put Patrick Mahomes behind that line, and he wasn't doing anything. So basically, my question is this, guys. I've been. This has been troubling a lot of guys in my area here, um, big giant community. Um, yep. And the question is this, right? You go into OTAs, you go into training camp, you go into the regular season. You're ten weeks in. Every time you listen to a, a coach come out, Bobby Johnson. Uh, you know, Wink Martindale, they come out, oh, technique, we're going to watch the film, we're going to get better with technique. 
you guys would know better than me. These are pro football players, right? If yeah. I did that, if I did this on my job, I'd be fired after all that time. How many weeks can you say the same thing that we're going to work on the technique at some point? Making millions of dollars, you got to understand the concept of the technique. Does that mean that maybe the coaching? Because I'm I'm a big Dable fan. I'm really aggravated with the press that's going on. I really think Martindale backdoored him with those Wilkins brothers. I I didn't like the positionless defense that he so preaches. The same thing happened in Baltimore at the end of his career, up there arguing with Harbor and getting getting out of there. That positionless defense is really difficult when you're moving people around a lot because, you do, in my opinion, you should have football players, physical football players. Put a linebacker who's a middle linebacker. Put a linebacker who's an outside backer. Don't be putting safeties at the outside end position okay. and trying to send them in there. I don't agree with it. I think that there was dissension going there, and I think they're spreading a lot of this gossip in the news about Dable. I'm not saying Dable's perfect and he doesn't want to win, he doesn't go off, but, you know, what, what I was seeing, I was seeing a bunch of guys not getting better. Kayvon Thibodeau, not getting better. Uh, Evan Neal, not getting better. A lot of them offensive linemen, not getting better. And I could go on and on. That's coaching to me. Well, they, they made that. a change, though, at the offensive line position. Though, oh, I know that. Based no, on no, what you I, laid out. Not, yeah. yeah, that's not my point. My point is that the media is presenting this like, you know, there's no fault on, there's only fault on one side. It's really not the truth. The Giants have not improved at all. Like, uh, you can't keep saying 17 weeks in we're going to watch. People on TV, we're not football experts, but we're not stupid either. How many weeks are you going to say the same thing? We couldn't stop the run, Wink, all year long. Again, we're at the bottom of the league stopping the run. Well, Bob, I, I think there are two different parts of the conversation. When you talk about team performance and, for example, stopping the run to your point, that's something I think you can make adjustments over the course of a season, adjust your scheme, do things like that to maybe improve yourself in that area. Now, maybe you hurt yourself in other areas. You need to bring a safety into the box. You might get beat over the top more. That's a conversation. There's a trade-off. I do think it is difficult, though we have seen it, for individual players to work on their craft during the year. There's just not a lot of practice time, good on good, once you get to the regular season where a guy can really – Focus on a fundamental trait and get that better over the course of the season. That, to me, is always more of an off-season work type of deal where you go to a, you know, you either work on it on your own, you go find, you a know. A personal you know, position you, coach. If you're an offensive lineman, yeah. you go to LaCharles Bentley's school, you go to Duke, Mer- uh, you go to Duke uh, uh, Merriweather, yeah. Duke uh, Merriweather down in Texas, yeah. correct? And you, that, then you work on your technique that way. Um, I understand what you're saying. These guys, I mean, offensive tackle is probably, the, besides cornerback, the, the toughest position to play in football. You get beat once out of 20 snaps, you stink because you gave up a sack fumble, right? And you do well the other 19, nobody notices you. So, yes, it's a player thing. Coaches are teaching the technique. Players have to be able to accept that teaching and improve. Some players are able to. Some, you could have the best teacher in the world if the student's not able to take your teachings and apply it on the field and just frankly be better than the guy across from him. you got the best teacher in the world. It's not going to matter. So I think it really depends on the situation, though I think the hope would be they made a move on the offensive line, and I think the most important thing you can get from this new offensive line coach is can he improve Evan Neal's play, right? Well, that, 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 that's the first and foremost thing we're going to talk about. I mean, Bob, you also you brought up Evan Neal. How did Evan Neal have a chance to improve? He didn't play the entire second half of the season. Well, yeah, yeah but you know the <laughs> other thing, guys? 
like when you move guys, right? I mean, I, I'm I've been I've been watching the Giants since the '60s, but you know, you're moving people all the time, right? Guard, center, he could do this. He, he's a jack of all trades, but he's a master of none. So you're teaching him all this stuff, cramming it down his throat at 23 years old. I mean, Evan, Neal, Evan, Neal, Evan Neal just played right tackle. No, no, no. I'm talking about your interior. The well, interior John, line. Well, John Michael Schmitz, like, Evan Neal, and Andrew Thomas literally played the same position yeah, the whole year. John Michael Schmitz didn't move. He missed some time. I mean, the guys right. that moved have been in the NFL for some time. And they had to move because guys yeah. got hurt. And also they're guys that have become journeymen who know in order to stick with a the team, they have to be able to play multiple positions. So, right, I, under, yeah, I mean, that's I the nature of the NFL. But how, but you, something like, I still can't quite grasp this, like, and I'll let you go, is that, yeah. you know, Saquon Barkley takes a handoff. He's getting hit in the backfield. Yeah, it's Dude, not that's good. Sure. No, that's pulling guards that shouldn't be pulling. That's technique. That's coaching. I don't care what you say. These guys are pro players. You should not get your back hit in the backfield. These players aren't that bad. They're not that bad. Their technique isn't that bad. Something with the scheme, something with – how does Barkley get hit more than any back I've watched all year? The guy can't even get to the line of scrimmage on half of his carries. No. Well, I mean, I don't I know if I'd say Thank half you. of the carries, but, yes, there have been situations. Listen, they've struggled with stunts and twists for years. I mean, John, how many times have we talked about when they play the Cowboys and you see a free runner getting to the quarterback? So, I mean, there's examples of that. But I have nothing against moving guys around. You need to move offensive linemen around because injuries are going to happen. You can't have the mindset, this guy can only play tackle. This guy can only play guard. How are you supposed to field eight or nine guys on your roster if you have no versatility? There always has to be two to three offensive linemen that are capable of playing multiple positions. You're not going to be able to get through a season that way. So I don't think that's a negative. And the other thing is... Coaches, too, and this is why I don't read too much into press conferences or chats during the season, they're going to do what they can to try to protect the player. Yeah, so yes. A lot of coaches have that mindset. He, he, here's generic answer. It comes Correct. right out of the book, exactly. and you give it. So it's not to excuse the coaching, but you're reading, I think, a lot into what is said every two weeks. They're not going to throw a guy under the bus and say, we've coached him for five weeks, he stinks, yeah. he sucks. <laughs> Okay, coach, well, why is he on the roster? We, I can't give you an answer. I'm not in charge of the roster. We told him not to do this 20 yeah, different mean, times over the past two yeah. weeks. He keeps doing it. Like, they aren't, they, they're well, trying to protect the players. Correct. You're looking and scratching at things that are never going to be said. You know, that's the idea of it's when a coach has an introductory presser, you want them to say what you want to hear. But that's not their job. That's not the role of anybody to say exactly what you want to hear. So I would not, personally, I wouldn't read too much into interactions during the season. And there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the Giants' run scheme. They run the same run plays that everyone else does. They run inside zone, they run outside zone, they run counter, they run power, they run duo, they run the same stuff everyone else runs. There's nothing where they're doing weird things. It's just that guys are getting beat. I mean, guys get beat. It's just the way it, the way it goes. That That's the league. All right, let's go. We got two more calls. We'll get to both of you. Let's go to uh, Tim and Charleston. Then I'll leave save Lance's favorite caller for last. Tim, what's going on? <laughs> hey, hey, guys. I can only imagine who's next. No, I, I kind of know. but um, <laughs> so, so Yeah, we really kept so you on the we'll, edge of your seat with that one. Yeah, before our friend in Maine comes on. Um, I got two quick comments. Especially since Wilson called yesterday. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, two quick comments and then a question. And one, one is, I agree with both of you pretty much, I think, 100% that 
you know, you can't reach for a quarterback in the first round. You know, you take the best player available, whether it's an offensive tackle, a wide receiver, an edge rusher. You do what you have to do. And you have the second round. And, Tim, by the way, just FYI, it's six. It's probably going to be an offensive lineman or a receiver. That will be the best player. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I like Joe Alt personally, but I don't like to ever put names on specific draft positions this early. It's, you know, before the the senior bowl and the combine and all that. So, anyway. um, But, you know, we got two two second-round picks. We got a third-round pick. We got a fourth-round pick. If there's a quarterback there that they think can be serviceable, let's go get him. You know, let's go get him and develop him. We know DeVito can play. I mean, he might not be a world beater, but if if we had to start the first game or two of the season with him, it wouldn't be the end of the, the freaking world. You know what I'm saying? So my, so my Tim, not... my guess is you're gonna have you're gonna have to have two other quarterbacks in this building in the spring because Daniel Jones is not gonna be able to participate in OTAs or minicamp, and you need three quarterbacks. So the Giants are going to All add right. two quarterbacks in some way, shape, or form between now and when OTAs begin and and when the players report. So whether that's a veteran, a draft pick, two veterans, two draft picks, at least two more quarterbacks will be in the building by then. At, at least in my opinion. Yeah. No, I'm in agreement with I mean, you. There. You know. Yeah. I'm I'm all I'm all for uh, a, an affordable veteran and a draft pick, so that we have two ways we can go, you know, at the end of the day. But um, but honestly, um, Tim, I'll just say this: I, I I realize you're saying this now. If the if the Giants are Week One at Dallas Sunday Night Football, which is something we've seen a bajillion times before in our lifetime, oh God, you, yeah. You're going to feel really good, and again, this is nothing against Tommy, but are you going to feel really confident going to that game if Tommy DeVito's starting for you in week one? You know, I'm not going to feel really confident going into Dallas on week one if Johnny Unitas is our quarterback. <laughs> well, because, good luck bringing because, him back, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, because the NFL keeps screwing us over with that year after year after year You're after a big market year. team, Tim. Yeah. They're going to want you against another good team in week one. It's just the way it goes. Yeah, well, put us against Washington. You know, it's like give us <laughs> give us a chance to give us a chance to start the season on a positive note for crying out loud. You well, know? who knows? Or Washington the, may be vastly improved with a new coach and a new GM this year. So be careful what you wish for. You don't know how Washington. Well, they may look. be, yeah. but I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to be in Dallas. No, I ball, agree. You know I, I, mean? I hate the divisional Week One game. Yeah. Get rid of it. Play a team yep. in the AFC. Play a team in a different division. I don't want to face an NFC well, East team. You play the AFC North this year. <laughs> I don't know so, if the so Steelers, the Ravens, so or the Browns, or the Bengals will be any easier. Giants-Steelers. Yes. Well, I'll bet you right now Giants-Steelers are a primetime game. Well, they opened up a few years ago, remember, when Roethlisberger yep. and them came here. Yep. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Yeah. Then let's play the Bears. That's a big market, you know. That's Bears aren't on the schedule, right? Tim. You got See, now. You're really oh. in the wishful thinking. Yeah, the He's Bears, just throwing yeah, out random teams. Do you, you want to play? Wait, I would you? Thought, would you like to play the Carolina Panthers too? We could try to contact the league and well, see the if Panthers, they can. Well, the Panthers. The Panthers. I, well, no, I, I, well, I thought you said. Yeah. I thought you said NFC North. AFC North. No, no, we were talking AFC North. Yeah, AFC North. Yeah, AFC North. Okay, my bad. My bad. It is. It is AFC North. It is AFC North. NFC South. And then the Seahawks and the Vikings. That's what the Giants' schedule is next year. All right, all right. So yeah, I mean, and I usually, usually usually I know that because you can predict they unless they change the divisions, you can predict this 
14 to 17 games of the NFC schedule years in advance. Yep, sure, yeah, because yeah, they rotate. Usually, yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, usually I know that. But um, the, So the question I have is our new offensive line coach. I forget his name. What is it? Carmen Priscillo. Thank you. I remembered it was an Italian name, but that was about all. Um, have What is – I mean, we've had all – as Lance said, we've had trouble with these twists and stunts for so many years. Do his offensive lines have a, a history of performing better against them? Do we know that? Uh, can you offer any light on that? And I'll take it off the air. I appreciate it, Tim. Um, I'll check that specific thing right now. Um, I did look. One, It's actually very odd. So two years ago, the 2022 season, the Raiders ran the ball extremely well. Couldn't pass protect for anything. Yeah, Derek Carr got killed. Last year, at least the first half of the season, they couldn't run the ball lick. Got better the second half, but they actually pass protected pretty well last year. But again, I think a part of that probably is the way they used their quarterbacks. It was a lot of play action, a lot of getting rid of the ball quickly with Aiden O'Connell. You're only dropping back you know, 15 to 20 times a game. So I imagine that probably did help those pressure numbers a little bit. Yeah, which probably doesn't give the defenses an opportunity Correct. to run a lot of twists and stunts because they just don't have the time or the extra second to do that. And the other thing to keep in mind is, not to say that Priscilla doesn't have experience, but you know, even to answer this, the sample size is small, John. You talk about he was the Patriots offensive line coach for 2021 and with the Raiders for the last two seasons. You know, everything else has been at the collegiate level. So you're not going to have much data to really go by, and you're going to have new personnel that he's going to have to work with. So, right, so against stunts this year, the Raiders had the seventh lowest pressure rate, um, but they were fifth lowest against all plays. So they were actually a little bit better against regardless of the strategy than so stunts. So, yeah. uh, for the year prior, let me bring that up here. They were overall that was the year they were not as good protecting the passer. That was they were 27th in the league. With all plays, with stunts involved, they ranked uh, 26. So they were about the same. Regardless. So mixed so, results. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. And we don't know whether or not that was a product of the quarterback. Jacobs led the NFL in rushing that year yeah. that they struggled in terms of pass protection. And we have these conversations always year to year. When you are a defense that struggles against the run versus the pass, is that a product because everybody's throwing against you versus everybody's running against you? It's hard to pin your finger on those type of now, strategies and trends. I will give them trends. credit. They kind of had a bit of a journeyman offensive line for the Raiders this year. You had a bunch of oh, veterans, yeah. not a lot of big names. Jermaine Illuminor was their right tackle. He's been on a bunch of different teams as a swing tackle, not even as a yep. starter. Uh, Andre James, obviously Colton Miller is a very good left tackle. But he's the highest pick. Correct. That you could point Everyone to. Everyone else, just journeyman veterans, and, and, and he did a nice job with them. So you hope he can bring that same type of energy uh, to the Giants this year. All right, final call of the show. Charlie in Portland, Maine. Charlie was getting on me on Twitter about this. Charlie, how are you? Hey, good, John. Hey, Lance. Hey, you guys are going to be taking a lot of friendly fire until April, I tell you. What do you mean, friendly fire? (laughs) Friendly fire. You guys are going to get bombarded with, uh, you know, about getting a quarterback. So just fire. So, Charlie, just fire, not friendly fire. We're just going to get fire. Yeah. (laughs) It's not friendly. How is this year any different? How is this year any different than previous years where it's always been heated about the draft in general? And quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, what what is. Friendly fire means at least we're on the same team, kind of. 
and we're just giving you a hard time. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Okay. I mean, maybe that went over my head. Prelude to some friendly fire. Right? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of friendly bit. fire, here we go. Look, we have to take a quarterback. I don't care if they move up, they move down a bit, or they stay where they are. There are six quarterbacks. Would you be okay draft. if you pick him in the second round? It depends on who it is. I don't want a second round. I mean, if Penick fell to the second round, yeah, yeah I, I would say I, I, here's I'll, I'll, here's here, here's the six I'll give you. Obviously, right. no, let, let him name him. Let him. Why? Why are you making oh, yeah. it easy? He already butchered one guy that he said he wanted. Let me hear him name the six quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, name the yeah. six. Charlie. Go, Go ahead, Charlie. Name, name the us six. the six quarterbacks. This. Right. I'm going to put my feet up on the table because this William? is going to be. No, no. I want full names. No, 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 no. I want full names. I also. I should ask you for the middle initials too. That's what I should ask you. I can give you the last name. Well, I want full names. Okay. McCarthy. This is this is too easy. Daniel May Williams. In panic, I call panic, him panic, 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 panic. You know Michael what? Panic. For know. Charlie, that was actually pretty good. I don't know. I thought he said Daniel. We're gonna have to go, Pearson. No, what did you Daniel. think? I don't know. Daniel. I didn't hear the S. I didn't uh, hear the plural. I, think he said I don't know about now, that. I, I do enjoy I the that. way you say McCarthy with your main accent, though. It was pretty good. <laughs> Makes me feel at home, Charlie. McCarthy, <laughs> McCarthy. <laughs> so look, those are the six, right? But I'll give you somebody else. All right? I'll give you something that might happen. Ooh. And this, there was an interest, a big interest from Shane for Hooker last year. Let's go to the Lions and try to peel him out of the Lions, give him a fourth-round pick, third-round pick, and grab Hooker. Charlie, Charlie, How's Charlie. What, I believe the Lions picked Hooker with their second-round pick last year. Is that correct? Third-round no, pick. Third, 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 yeah. So third that, that's, that, that's where the conversation starts. You aren't getting them for a fourth right. if they use the third on them. And I don't think they'd if be they, – Remember, Jared Goff's going to be a free agent, I think, after next season, Lance, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not sure and they're going to— And Teddy Bridgewater's retiring. So I'm not sure they're going to want to get rid of their guy that they've been grooming to potentially, and we'll see what happens. They might sign Goff to an extension this offseason. I don't know. But they might not exactly. be wanting to move move off of a player like that. I know, but I'm just saying— Yeah, if, Goff is a free agent after some, 2024. If for some reason, which they have to take a quarterback— Look, Jones is— Error is done. He's had two neck injuries, ACL, concussions. I mean, enough. Well, that's it's why they have to address the quarterback position. And Joe Shane said that. They, they absolutely yeah. have to do that. Charlie, there's no argument there. But what you haven't answered is, because I know you've broken what? down the film of all six of those guys. In your estimation, <laughs> all six are even meaning there's no differential between all six of those guys. So if you take one at five or one at six or one at 15 no, 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 or one no. at 44, the best, the there's no difference two. between any of those quarterbacks. All six look beautiful no. in a Giants no, uniform. You best. put them in right there. They're ready to play. It doesn't matter. The, the environment, irrelevant. Charlie, I would, think, I would think one of those guys would be available either when the Giants select in round two or maybe you move up a few spots to get one. If all six of those guys are off the board when the Giants select, uh, what is it, 39, I think, something like that in the second yeah. round, I would be surprised. I don't think that's going to happen. Look, all six of them have had better college careers than Daniel Jones. How many NFL games have they played? How many NFL games have they played? Well, they haven't. Okay. But so you're going off, you're comparing, wait, let me get this straight. You're comparing hey, Jay, a collegiate hey, hey, Stroud resume. Stroud didn't play any NFL games either. How's he doing? Yeah, Stroud's having a good season. Does everybody turn out yeah, like C.J. Stroud? Doing, Does everybody turn out, every, so every every college quarterback so in how, the NFL history, archives, has turned out to be C.J. No, Stroud. So how's Bryce Young this year, Charlie? Three out of these, 
three out of these six will be like Stroud. I bet you that. Ooh, I don't know if they're going to be how like did, uh, Stroud. How did the 2018 draft class turn out, Charlie? How did those top 10 quarterbacks? 2018. Draft class, that's why. No, but you just said, hold on a minute. You said that three out of the six are destined for yeah. greatness. So I gave you yeah. four in the top Were 10 you? in 2018. May? Yeah. There's two right there, and there'll be another one. So you truly think that that high vo- – when was the last time that that high volume of quarterbacks in one draft class all panned out? 1983. What year is it? 1983. What year oh, is it now? What year are we in now? Where are you oh, against what? yourself, Charlie? I, I mean, but, you know, I don't try to help you. Dude. I don't know why you put him on <laughs> to put him in this position. What year is hey, it, Charlie? Wait, no, I want to. What year is it? What year is it? Is it 1984 right now? Is it 1984? No. Okay. So your reference, your ref. Oh, it doesn't matter. Are, so you reference 1983 was the last. They're good quarterbacks. Look, we don't have a quarterback. You have to take a swing at it. And if I'm, you miss, you have to try again. No, but That's you have it. to. You make a logical swing, okay? You don't just you don't get in the batter's box and just start swinging like crazy, okay? <laughs> you don't you don't twirl yourself around and do the hokey well, you don't pokey, just sit in the okay? Box and no. let the pitches go by every year. No, you don't do that. You're either. right. You find the middle ground. You're right. You don't take ball after ball, but you don't swing like crazy. Okay. The hitters coach, okay, tells you to be disciplined and find the balance. You just want to go in and swing for the fences. No, you don't I care don't. about doubles. You don't care about singles. You don't care about base hits. You don't care about running we the bases. You don't care about fundamentals. Called Daniel Jones. He can't get past first base. So we. You know, we, but Charlie, we have established that they have to address the quarterback position. The question is you, you, how you do yeah, it. Yeah, but there's many different and ways I'm you go about addressing it. You have it. to get a quarterback in the draft. Period. There's okay. got to be one guy or two guys that you like. Oh, that's it fine. To- yeah, but okay, but that's a very generic now open-ended and, statement. And that's different than you have to pick the best guy at six no yeah. matter who he is. You have to pick the best quarterback. You can't go through this draft and not pick a quarterback. So, Charlie, okay, so now you're you talking can't. about the – so meaning if they love a quarterback in the sixth round, that makes you feel warm and fuzzy? That's what you're saying? No, I'm saying well, they have to pick a quarterback in the first round, second at worst, okay, if somebody drops. that's fine. If you want to say – that's okay. If okay. you want to put first well, that, and that, second round there, that's a different conversation. I get that. But, but Charlie, what happens if they don't like any quarterbacks? Then what happens? stupid. Then they're ridiculous. So, then they shouldn't be GM and they shouldn't be a head so, coach. So it's possible It's possible that when they evaluate all the quarterbacks, they like three guys, but their cutoff is after three. That's not feasible? There's no world where that exists, where they really like three. But when you get to four, get it's guy, very iffy. They get one of those three guys. And what, and what happens if none of the teams – wait, hold on. There's five teams ahead of the Giants. What happens if none of them want to move? Well, what are you going to do? Two, there, let's two, just, of uh, them, two of them aren't picking a quarterback. Yeah, but sorry. Let, well, let's, say they're, let's say they're a three, and the top three teams are all locked yeah. in on picking a quarterback, and they and, don't want to move. And then what do you do? No, no, and they're gone after the top three. Hold yeah, on. And correct. the two teams that don't need a quarterback are four and five. Right. So what are you going to do then? That's why there's six quarterbacks that you can take. You see, he's got there's an answer for everything. Three. Yeah, but he's Charlie, but then, an but, then, but, for everything. but then wait. Then then wait until the second round. You don't have to force it at six. You understand what I'm saying? And if you have well, to, and if you have to move up you, a little bit, look, moving up in the second round, John, that that's 
that that guy's not going to be there in the second round. Yeah, but moving, That's the thing. Yeah, but, I, I get you, but moving not, up in the second round is much less onerous than moving up from six. It's a lot different. Look, like to go, you know, that, know that, that isn't as bad as the thing. Anyway. We're going to know a lot after the combine. These guys always shoot up. Some of them shoot down. Yeah, the quarterbacks, know, a lot of times the good quarterbacks don't throw at the yeah. combine, Charlie, so we'll have to see. You but, know, I know, I know. They but but luckily, day, but we're also going to know medicals on these guys. Correct, that's and and the important Penix and Nix will both be at the Senior Bowl, though. That's going to be fun. They'll that's both right. be at the Senior Bowl. No, so my, that's Michael Panic. And we always take a Senior Panic, Bowl quarterback, Panics. but we're going to take one of those two. We always do, right? We've taken like Jones. We've taken uh, 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 two other guys. Uh, Webb, I think, was there, and we took. Uh, um, I don't know. That's well correct. said. That's right. probably the most accurate statement that he's mentioned and words that have come out of his mouth. And and, and I will help Troy out. He said 1983. The 2020 draft class was pretty good. Well, I was going to say 2004 Burrow, wasn't bad. I was going to say 20, 2004. Yeah, yeah. 2000, but look, two, yeah. 2020 had Burrow, Tua, Herbert. Yeah, it's pretty good. No. That is pretty good. That's pretty darn good. Absolutely. That is a not a bad hit rate. Right yeah, now. but I mean, he could have went 2004 yeah, with Rivers, Rivers Manning, and Roethlisberger. And Roethlisberger correct. Yeah. So, I mean, there's other examples, but the point is it doesn't happen every year, John. That was why I brought that up. In fact, it, so, it happens less often than it does. Yeah. So, that's why I'm saying six guys could go, let's say, I don't think six will go in the first round, but even if four or five go in the first round... All four or five are not going to pan out. You guys, you got to just not going to happen. But for the people that are in the pro quarterback class, you know, Joe Shane was given a chance to rule out taking a quarterback at both his press conferences during the year. He did not rule that out. In fact, he said we have to address the quarterback position. To Lance's point, the question is how and when. How do you get the most value for your assets to get the best player at that position that matches what you want from that player based on how you're going to handle Daniel Jones' health, et cetera, et cetera, moving forward. That's going to be the conversation we're going to have over the course of the offseason, and there are different ways to approach it. And there's not just one that's the correct way, so we'll, we'll, we'll go through all the options. Don't worry. <laughs> it's January 19th. I'm already getting tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, buckle up. Who wants to talk about offensive line draft prospects? How about we do that? <laughs> no? Hello? Uh, Come on. Let's enjoy the games this weekend. Yeah, way. absolutely. You too. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. That's Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football giants. For Pearson Butler, have a good weekend, my friend. We will see you on Monday for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live.